Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, that's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. Mo, we're yes. back on No Budget Nightmares. Yes, yes, yes. It's uh, it, it's amazing to think. It's actually been a little while. I I can't remember quite when we last recorded, but uh, there was a, a some recovery time when I got back from. My trip to Newfoundland, and but I'm here, and I'm here with I have so much energy, Mo. It's unbelievable. I need to direct it at something. So what am I going to direct it at? <laughs> well, I think we need to direct it at this episode. Yeah, and that's exactly what I will do. You know, Mo, this is our first episode since you started working at your new job, right? Because I hadn't quite started yet the last time we recorded. Now I'm about two weeks in, and yeah, and. You know. Uh, it's and? crazy. It's you know, it's funny. Oh. Um, I, like I never really felt like I was part of the community down here until I started mm-hmm. working, and now I kind of feel like I'm back involved with the public and getting to know the people in the area. Because like honestly, <laughs> like the only the only people I've really talked to for the most part in the area are people I'm related to. You know, right. so it's like so it's like my mom, my sister, blah blah blah. You know, um, now I'm starting to see, I'm starting to get to know some of the locals, and you know. And uh, yeah, this this town's crazy. And like, yeah, it, I was hoping that you were going to say, yeah. they're crazy. Yeah, they absolutely are. They're fucking completely nuts. But in like such a great way. Like there's almost <laughs> there's almost sort of like a charm to the insanity of this town. Uh, like just this last weekend. Well, uh, no, sorry, last weekend, not not the one that just ended, but the week previous, there was a Shriners convention, <laughs> um, and they were all Canadian. Uh-oh. Which was, which, yeah, so just like Canadians everywhere. So it was like, honestly, like the politest weekend I've ever seen working retail. Um, and it was fun. Like, you know, like, like I didn't have to really worry about anybody like stealing anything except for the locals, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and everybody was super polite and, and, and you know, and like, oh, Did they have those know, little we... carts where they driving around little carts. No, no, I think they what? left those. I think they left those up, uh, up the great white way. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but this last weekend there was like this massive truck meetup thing that I don't think was even like really especially organized i think they just sort of blasted a thing out on like truck message boards and said (laughs) hey hey do you have a big obnoxious truck come to daytona on this weekend you know and uh my god like the exact opposite of the shriner convention just the rudest assholes my oh my god like uh, i described it as the air was reeking of toxic masculinity oh my goodness and it really was it's it was it was just the worst look mo i don't like to make generalizations but people who own trucks 
are just the scum of the earth. See, I don't have a problem with people who own <laughs> trucks, but people who own like pe- people who put like hundreds of thousands of dollars into their trucks, yeah. putting these fucking lift systems in and like putting in systems where they can what is, what is it called? Rolling coal, you know. I don't and, know. It's like, you know, it's where they have the, the, where they hit the button and black soot just flies everywhere. And they're like peeling out and they have these big expensive stereo systems in their cars. And like, like, like the first night, like my, uh, like Friday night, uh, I, you know, we, we close out. Okay. It's 1130 at night when I get out of work (laughs) and, and there is a massive truck sitting in the middle of the road just parked all of its doors open just blasting music you know and there is another truck sitting in the parking lot of the strip club that's across the uh, uh, across the street from my job I first off I love the fact that there's a strip club right across from my job that's hilarious but there's another truck in the parking lot of said strip club burning rubber peeling out, like, and like, you know, so he'll like, he'll spin his wheels and he'll go like two feet and then stop and then spin his wheels and go two feet and stop. And I'm just like, what's wrong with you people? It's literally the next best thing to two guys just taking their dicks out. And it's like, yeah, mine's longer. No, right. no, bro. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I think everyone wants to know, Mo, what music was blasting out of the vehicle? Uh, I don't know. It's one of those mumble rap guys. Mumble rap. Yeah, you know the. <laughs> I do now. Yeah, uh, Mo, I, I don't know if we ever really clarified what is your job. Uh, I'm basically working security at. Oh. I don't want to say the name of the company, but please I, do know. though. I think we all want to know the name of the company. <laughs> Fuck off! I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying where I work. Are they on Twitter? Is can we message them just to they, tell you to get you give you a raise? Yeah, they absolutely are on Twitter, and we will not be mentioning <laughs> them. <laughs> it is a. Well, I'll tell you, is, Mo. From the information you've given us, let's see, a hotel across from a strip club in Florida. I'm sure we can work out where this is and yeah. what it is. Yeah, I'm 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 not at the hotel. But yeah, but basically I'm like I'm I'm essentially the guy who stands at the door and says, Hey, how's it going? you know? Um but I'm also I'm also security there. I'm the guy who like stops people from stealing and stuff. Guess you don't stop people from burning rubber in the parking lot or just- that ain't hey, that ain't it wasn't in my parking lot. If it was, <laughs> I would have stopped them. <laughs> Mo, people who are listening to the episode right now are probably wondering, uh, Doug, what the fuck is up with the movie that we're covering this week? Yeah. Uh, why don't you uh, Why don't you first tell us, Mo, what we are going to be talking about, and then I'm going to explain why we're talking about it. <laughs> right. So this week we are going to be covering uh, Canadian content. Uh, uh-huh. You know, a, a film called Big Meat Eater. Big Meat Eater from the year 1982. Yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. But people who listened to the uh, most recent episode might remember that I, and I'm going to take full responsibility for this, announced that we were going to be watching 2005's Tartarus, directed by Dave Wascovich. And uh, the now reason is I... It, now, is it Tartarus or is it I, just Tartarus? I don't fucking no <laughs> is it fungicide or fungicide fair i don't you know, know that either. I, I love the fact that we only have these issues with dave waskovich phelps no I, I look everything about him is difficult to pronounce <laughs> <laughs> well you know at least his name's dave so it's not that hard you know it's a good point and of course that goes all the way back to suburban sasquatch which uh, we enjoyed <laughs> so very much um now Mo, we, we aren't watching that movie uh, because I had originally thought it was in the Bloody Nightmares box set where longtime listeners know that 
This was a box set of films that are a lot of micro-budget films, actually a hundred of them. It kind of got this entire podcast going yeah. oh so many years ago. Um, that, we gave up, I, that we gave up on pretty quick. <laughs> now, it, it, the film itself is in one of those Pendulum Pictures collections, one of those massive collections, but it isn't in that one. I fucked up, uh, which meant uh, that I was kind of scrambling to try to find a copy of the movie, and I was unable to on the short term. So what I ended up doing was going over to the Trouble Moon Pictures website and purchasing a copy to have sent to me. Now, I knew at that point that it was going to be too late, that I wasn't going to be able to have it in time for this episode. Mm. But something funny happened on the way to the Tartarus. <laughs> yeah? Uh, I was. Uh, someone reached out to me, and that person was Dave Waskovich, or Waskovich. The... Or, or Waskovich, or Waskovich. <laughs> the director of Fungicide and Suburban Sasquatch and Tartarus. Um, and he actually (laughs) (laughs) malevolent descent, um, also covered on the no budget nightmares podcast. And because he reached, he actually reached out uh, just to ask me if I had purchased any films before from him. Uh, and that got us talking. I actually reminded him that I interviewed him a few years ago for (laughs) dailygrindhouse.com. Uh, and that got us talking and he, uh, seems incredibly willing to perhaps come on the no budget nightmares podcast and have a little chat with Mo and myself, and that might be something a little fun, Mo, to do for an upcoming special episode. Absolutely. And and just by chance, there happens to be a special episode coming up. Yeah, exactly. And th- so I think this is all going to combine into something particularly special. The funny thing, I wasn't really thinking of Dave when, uh, when that special 100th episode, that's what we're referring to, uh, was coming <laughs> up. But the fact is, his film's kind of branch like it branches through the entire history of no budget nightmares right Absolutely. from the early days yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know we've covered three of his films uh in, in and we have another one obviously coming up so uh, i think this is not only going to be a trip down memory lane but an opportunity to um cover in a little more detail some of those movies we've already talked about yeah and not to mention the fact that longtime listeners of the show know that suburban sasquatch is essentially the patron saint of no budget nightmares him and his bomb-ass titties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Suburban Sasquatch himself. <laughs> we'll be asking some questions about that in the very near future. But today, Mo, we need to talk about a Canucksploitation classic, Big Meat Eater from 1982. I'm going to start with a question here to you, Mo. Please. Had you ever heard of Big Meat Eater before uh, this? No, no. No. No, I couldn't possibly. No. Canadian movie. How could I? No. Harumph. Harumph, harumph. I will say, Mo, that this movie, despite uh, its its Canadian heritage, is not very well known here in Canada at all. Mm. Uh, it does not have really a very strong cult reputation, uh, even among the movies that came out in that time period, the uh, the, uh, the the so called tax shelter movies. Um, but I had seen it before, Mo, because in the mid nineteen nineties, remember back then, Mo? Sadly. Mm-hmm. In the mid nineteen nineties, there was a Canadian television station called Showcase. It still exists. But Showcase kind of launched around that time period, and every single night, they would show a movie, and they would show it uncut. And they really were kind of, a, uh, I think, trying to branch towards like the Toronto International Film Festival-style art movies, but they'd also show culty-type stuff, especially during October. Um, and I remember very clearly them advertising Big Meat Eater pretty strongly in the weeks leading up to their its airing, so I was very excited about seeing it, and I sat down and watched it. And uh, you can just picture uh, teenaged 
Doug Tilly just sitting down waiting for Big Meat Eater to start, <laughs> waiting till 1230 at night uh, and watching it and wondering what the fuck I was watching. Yeah, right. No, it's it's a I mean, even in the realm of this style of film, it's pretty weird. It is very weird. I should also mention right off the bat, Mo, this isn't. This is a very low-budget movie, but it's not micro-budget in the way that a lot of the movies that we cover on this uh, show are. Uh, it's more along the lines of something like uh, Slime City, uh, right, right, that yeah. sort of realm where you know there's a budget, just obviously a very, a very cheap movie. But in this case, they actually use that cheapness to their advantage because it's very much in the mold of kind of a 1950s science fiction movie. Yeah. Now, what genre, Mo, <laughs> would you say Big Meat Eater is? Well, I believe I, I heard somebody uh, who shall remain nameless once uh-huh. des- once describe it as a as a sci-fi horror musical. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi, comedy, horror musical. I think all yeah. of those fit absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and and there are some songs in this, Mo. And in fact, I would suggest, and you can disagree with me if you'd like, uh, that the songs might be the highlight of Big Meat Eater. I think a couple of them are. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, there's see. a couple so of that's... songs. There's a couple of songs in this that I just did not care for. I just wanted to. I wanted them to be over. But uh, the, like because of the era that this came out in, with like you know, uh, where like new wave and power pop and stuff like that were really kind of like in. The the the, you know, the the social well, lexicon, you know, sure um, that that there is a lot of really interesting, you know, uh, music involved in the film. And, and, and like I said, there's some really great stuff in here. Like uh, there's a there's a, a song toward towards the end, um, like during that, like that talent show, mm-hmm. like that's that song that plays like I loved that song. That's a very kind of new wavy song. Yeah, it's for very. Sure. Almost kind of Devo-esque. Not well, nearly as Devo-esque as the one we have the <laughs> clip for, but, you know. Uh, if you want a little background on the making of Big Meat Eater, I would direct you, and I'll put this over on our Facebook group, to the Canuxploitation.com review of Big Meat Eater. It explains uh, that the, the, this movie came out of British Columbia, Canada, and in fact, the location in which it takes place is a real kind of unofficial location between two other cities that exist in B.C., and it was designed sort of as a kind of satirical look at uh, both 1950s science fiction movies and sort of Canadian culture at that time. I actually don't know how much of that necessarily comes through, especially to uh, someone watching it from the United States. But this was obviously a movie that was not necessarily designed for a wide audience. It kind of was designed for people in that general area who would kind of pick up on a lot of the, the I guess, the nuance of some of those references. Oh, well, yeah, I didn't, so... Well, I'll explain any of the Canadian references to you, Mo. Please. Just so, and to, of course, our lovely and adoring audience, because it's very important that everyone understands what's going on in 1982's Big Meat Eater, directed by Chris Windsor. Mo, Chris Windsor. Okay. Do you know what he went on to direct? You know I don't. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely <course>. nothing. <laughs> well, That's you, know, uh, you know what? You know what? If you're going to have one film under your belt, this is the one to have, really. <laughs> it, strangely enough, uh, the acting in this movie, which actually I, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that once we get to uh, the plot proper. Um, uh, there's a number of actors from this movie who went on to some pretty significant success, um, particularly the, the actor who plays uh, Jan in the movie. Um, and, and he still works to this day. He's on the 12 Monkeys TV show. Huh. 
Have you watched the 12 Monkeys TV show, Mo? No. Mo, you've been very uh, busy lately listening to Spotify. <laughs> yeah, I really have. <laughs> Had you not realized that this was something that was just available to you? I, I'm so late to the game with it. I mean, like, just ridiculously late. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I literally downloaded it yesterday, <laughs> the day before, something like that. Because a, guy, a buddy, uh, well, a friend of a friend had uh, created this list of like basically like punk rock 101 and i really right. liked i liked the list so much that uh you know somebody had made the suggestion of creating a collaborative playlist on spotify and i'm like i don't know what that is so i'm like <laughs> but i'm but I, but of course me being the go-getter that i am i'm like i'm working on it you know and, which i hadn't even started yet but i'm like I'll, I'll do it i got it you know and so i'm like i download spotify and i'm like trying to figure out how everything works. And thankfully it's pretty user friendly, you know? So it should be, it's designed for literally anybody to use. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to tell you how long it took me to make my list, a collaborative playlist, (laughs) uh, or for that matter, how long it took me to learn how to add a song to a playlist. (laughs) But Hey, you know, I, I figured it out. Now I've got a really great punk rock playlist. And now I'm currently working on a power pop playlist because power pop is the jam. Yeah. And I love power pop as well. And we've yeah. been talking about that over on your, your page. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I, I don't want to get into the whole Spotify thing. Cause I don't know if our audience is necessarily interested in it, They're but not. I will say that though I love Spotify and I do, I listen to it all the time. It has completely destroyed my perspective on music to the point where it's like I I do not know why a band would put their music on Spotify at all. It doesn't make any sense to me because I will never buy their album. I mean, there's a couple albums out there. I mean, certainly the bands I really love, I will buy them simply because I want to support them. And certainly, yes, audio files. I recognize that the sound quality is not what it could be. On Spotify, though you can get Spotify Premium and get a little bit better. Uh, but it's just that if I just want to listen to a song, I can just listen to it or listen to it a dozen times. And yeah, it's not, just... not to mention the fact that I'm listening to fucking punk rock on there. What the fuck do I care yeah. how good it sounds? But like I've been on, a, I've, I've been on a, a streak of listening to The Jam, right? One of my favorite bands. They're so good. Right, they're so good, right? And then I can just go on and literally listen to their entire discography yeah. in order... And like all B size everything, and then start like literally days worth of music just there. And I'm just like, this is like we live in an amazing time, but I can see why musicians do not make a fucking cent anymore, right? No, no. yeah, it's, it's like honestly, I think the only way bands make money anymore is through merchandising, you know, T-shirts and that sort of shit. The thing that's the strangest on Spotify, the thing I don't understand at all, in particular, are stand-up comedy albums on Spotify. I listen to them all the time, but it's just like. That is one thing. Like, I would never now buy an album, right? Why would I buy a stand-up comedy album if I can listen to it on Spotify where right. really the audio quality doesn't matter that much at all? And it's just like, like if you're a stand-up comedian, do not put your music or your, your album on Spotify. That's dumb. <laughs> true. It's true. It's, it's very true. But, Mo, I think people here are, are, are waiting for us to start talking about 1982's <laughs> Big Meat Eater. <laughs> What does the movie start with, Mo? Uh, so it opens up with a uh, nerdlinger um, <laughs> shutting down a butcher shop for the night or opening for the morning. I, I think he's... No, he's closing it. It seems yeah. like he's closing it because he is leaving, yes. Yeah, he is leaving, but then he immediately gets hit in the head with a newspaper. Which suggests him maybe he was working all night long. Right. Yeah. Now I'm confused. Was it morning? 
Was it? Oh, man. Anyway, well, his name is Bob Sanderson. He's leaving to go to a town meeting, so you wouldn't think that would be in the morning. Yeah, right. Maybe it's the evening paper. Oh, yeah, right. It's 1982. No, it's 1950-something, so they had the evening papers. Yeah, remember when print media was a thing? No. (laughs) So this, this guy that you're referring to, this nerdlinger, is Bob Sanderson, and he is ostensibly our main character in this movie, played by... George Dawson. And I have to say, Mo, I love his performance in this movie. Oh, it's great. It's fucking fantastic. He's, he's very Ned Flanders-esque. I mean, super squeaky <laughs> clean, right? Howdy, neighbor. Yeah, exactly. I just love, he closes up the shop and the, gets belted with the fucking newspaper. Just immediately. Like, yeah, <laughs> the kid it just throws it right at his head. Paper! <laughs> Nails him. And uh, he is at closing up shop because he's headed, as I mentioned, to this town meeting and as he walks along we get our first song of the movie mo and i thought it was important for us to get a sense of what these songs sound like uh this one has a very memorable chorus let's have a little listen who's that man walking down the street laughing talking bebopping with everyone he meets He's the butcher, what a zero, yeah, the butcher, not a hero. He's the butcher, 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 very, very insulting song to old Bob. Right. <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, Bob. <laughs> now, Bob is also doing a little bit of narration on the way to this meeting. He's speaking directly to the camera, talking, really talking some really crazy shit, speaking about how appliances are the key to the future, and, and people will be living to be 100, so they need to be wearing Geiger counter wristwatches, and everyone will have their own jet helicopter, Mo. I, I'm still waiting for my jet helicopter. I'm still waiting for my hoverboard, Mo. <laughs> and my self-lacing shoes. Oh, man. I mean, they have Velcro. I don't know why that didn't take. I still wear Velcro shoes. I'm glad you do, Mo. That's a very strange <laughs> thing you just said. <laughs> They're fucking cheap. What do I care? Now, this movie does not take place in the 1950s necessarily, but it it, it kind of does, right? I mean, it has that aesthetic... Very much so of 1950s sci-fi. There's like a greaser in it. Even though this movie was made in the early 80s, it's it's really supposed to be an idyllic 50s-style town. Yeah, and it's I mean, and when before as we get the opening, you know, uh, title screen, it does say a small time ago in a small small town. Small time ago, huh? Mo? That's what it says. It says small time ago, right? I think it says some does time it, ago. Does it say some time ago? I don't know. I wasn't paying that much Small attention. time ago. That doesn't make any fucking sense at all. What's wrong okay. with your brain over there? Is it Florida that's doing it to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the water down here. I think I have parasites. And that leads Mo directly into the opening credits of the movie. And we uh, we are introduced to our first special effect. What's that special effect, Mo? Uh, we get a UFO. A UFO. Now... How would you describe this UFO to someone who has not seen it? I would describe it as very Ed Woodian. Very Ed Woodian. Not quite paper plate, but very no. much like a cheap model uh, on, a, on a, like a fishing line. Yeah. And that leads into the title of the movie, Big Meat Eater. And while that's go- going on, by the way, it cuts back to Bob, who's still dancing his way to this town meeting. There's a part where he goes down a flight of stairs and he like kicks his legs up into the air. It's quite <laughs> impressive, I thought. <laughs> 
but this is where, Mo, we're introduced to the name of the town in which this, uh, this movie takes place. What's that name, Mo? Fuck, what is the name? I never wrote it down. <laughs> I literally never wrote it down. What's I only asked down? you to put you on the spot. It's Burquitlam. Yeah. Oh, right, Burquitlam. Burquitlam, which is actually, apparently it's based on a real part of BC. It's, it's, like I said, it's between two other locations. Uh, and this is a town meeting, which is uh, the start of the mayor's re-election campaign. Now, this mayor, Mo, is kind of a sleazy fellow, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, cronyism and nepotism. Yeah. You know who it reminds me of? Mayor Quimby. Mayor Quimby. Yeah, that's good. Anyone else? Pre- President Donald J. Trump. Oh, I wouldn't say that. You know, I think he's. You know what, Mo? Why don't you just give him a chance? <laughs> Look, you uh, you elected him, Snowflake. So why don't you just back off and just let him get to work and drain that swamp? Uh huh. So anyway, the mayor he starts the meeting by passing around a hat for collection, which I don't think is necessarily that someone uh, would would uh, do that in a real political office, Mo. I think it would be uh, kind of controversial. Yeah. Um, and then, we, you know, he's very much a cliche. Uh, his secretary is obviously sleeping with him. Um, and he actually is surrounded not just with, like, flunkies, but actual gangsters in, like, gangster big uh, double-breasted suits. Right. I really love – and, I like, I hate the fact that he's on the screen for so short of a time. But I love the fact that his alderman is, is a guy named Sonny the Weasel. Sonny the Weasel. <laughs> that they uh, – we also get introduced to the Wazinski family here. In fact, we got introduced to uh, Jan Wazinski. He was the person, the, the newspaper boy, who threw the newspaper uh, at the beginning of the movie. But really, they're going to be kind of the, the central family at the core of this movie. Now, the Wazinskis, Mo, how would you describe them? Um, I Kind of stereotypes really oh I mean, very much so are you kidding me <laughs> they're, they're 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 essentially russian immigrant you know eastern european russian immigrant types yeah and like half their dialogue is about how much they love pierogies right 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 although they say they're they say they're moldovian yeah they're moldovian that's right but, uh but they're very much have the kind of a gypsy-esque heritage to them right right uh, I don't you know. know the, the I don't grandma allowed to use that word. The the mom and the the grandma wear babushkas and that's right. Yeah, and she like apparently knows how to tell the future and all that sort of shit. Yeah. So during this town meeting, it's made very clear that the heat is a little too high. It's very warm. And everyone is sweating. Mo. Yeah. What do you? What? Do you, yes, they are. <laughs> I'm leaving you a chance to comment on what's happening in the movie. I got nothing to say on the heat. Well, it is. It's, we're going to talk about the heat in just a second. But before we do that, uh, there's a submission to counsel from Bob Sanderson, the butcher that we were just introduced to. And he uh, says this. Ladies and gentlemen, um, the future lies in the future. And nobody knew that better than Sir John A. Burquitlam. Tonight, I'd like us to take a bold new step into that future with my new universal language for our town. So that's he wants to introduce a universal language uh, to the city, to the town in this case, uh, which I guess is a noble endeavor. He does mention in that little clip there, Mo, Sir John A. Burquitlam. Do you know what that's a reference to? Nope. Sir John A. Macdonald is the first uh, prime minister of Canada. Ah. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a drunken racist. 
<laughs> that might be why you've never heard of him. It's strange. I feel like I'm pretty intimately knowledgeable about the United States founding fathers, but you don't even know our first prime minister. No, nor do I know the second, and I barely know the current. We need a popular musical, <laughs> perhaps involving hip-hop music, in order to teach people about Sir John A. Macdonald. Do you, really? A flawed but very interesting character, Mo. Right. I, I do I do get a kick out of the fact that the language that he's trying to introduce is basically just Canada backwards with an O slapped on the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's also obviously based on that, uh, what's that language, Mo? Uh, Esperanto. Esperanto. Uh, and See, I fact, knew that one. I'm glad you did because I have it written down here, but I couldn't find it. Uh, Esperanto, for those who don't know, is very much the same sort of idea. People were trying to introduce it as a sort of universal language, which, again, I think is actually a pretty great idea, but would never work in a million fucking years. No. Um, no. But you might recall that there was a movie made entirely in Esperanto. With Shatner. Um, Shatner. What was it it called? Um, Just keep – just keep – like not being yeah. able to remember it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I will tell you that what was the it called? movie like Incubus. Incubus from 1966. Yeah. I remember. And it'll it'll seem like we re- remember that immediately <laughs> when this episode comes out. <laughs> uh, the movie then cuts to the boiler room where it is very very warm because someone is is uh, putting a bunch of trash into the furnace. Who is this gentleman, Mo? Uh, this is a Turkish gentleman, <laughs> uh, aka just a, uh, a portly uh, African American or black man. I guess he's not African American because he's Canadian. But um, actually, he was born in the United States. So oh, so he's yes. African American. Yay! Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, he's a, a rather large man by the name of Abdullah. Abdullah, played by Clarence Big Miller. Now. Clarence is, I would say he, he does not have the most charisma I've ever seen in an actor or acting talent, but he sells a level of intensity in this character of Abdullah <laughs> in that everyone seems to be frightened of him. And he's introduced here, Mo, with a song. He sings a song, uh, a very strange song. What's this song all about? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, in my notes, I'm sitting there. In my notes, it says, we see the janitor shoveling shit into a furnace. He's singing about dot, dot, dot. Istanbul? Because <laughs> they haven't established <laughs> that he's Turkish yet. You know, I know. Like how, like, how are we supposed to know that? Anyway, so at this point, we get women in sort of like, you know, Persian or Turkish, I guess, garb. And they come out and they yeah. start dancing with him. And he's singing a song called The Baghdad Boogie. He is singing <laughs> The Baghdad Boogie uh, while yeah. these women in like veils and shit dance around him in the boiler room. And, and yeah. like you said, Mo, he's singing it entirely in English without any sort of accent at all. So, and and later on in the rest of the movie, he wears a fez to suggest a certain uh, foreignness to him. But at this point, it's just like, what is this black dude doing singing about Baghdad? Right. Yeah. Exactly. There's no proper introduction to the character at all. And then I love how randomly he just whips out a trombone and starts playing. <laughs> uh, he, he really seems into the trombone play. He really was. So back up to the town hall meeting, Bob is still talking about his universal language. He does mention that there might be advantages to it in case an extraterrestrial civilization tries to contact them, which will. You think actually that's going to play off in some way since we already know. It doesn't at all. In fact, this whole universal language thing does not kind of play off. Like it, it doesn't go anywhere at all. Yeah. So the mayor's a little upset about how warm it is. So he sends Sonny the Weasel uh, down to talk to the janitor. <laughs> and when he goes down, the janitor, who just a moment ago was singing very clearly, now 
he seems almost like he's in a trance. He seems completely almost catatonic. Um, and in in a fit of, I guess, anger, the uh, Abdullah attacks and strangles Sonny uh, the weasel and sticks him headfirst into the furnace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is... Uh, so let's talk about... The, let's talk about this character Abdul, Abdullah just for a second, Mo. Now, now he is your favorite character in the movie. He's he is my favorite character in the movie. Yeah. Now, why is that? Because it's it's hard to explain. <laughs> um, it's because every time you see him in the film, he gets more and more ridiculous. Yes. But not in like not in a Bob the Butcher sort of way. You know, whereas he's sort of ridiculous from the moment you first see him and sort of maintains that. Like, Abdullah, like, at first you don't even know his name. Like, right. it's, it's not even until the scene after this where you get introduced to the character. He's just this guy. And you kind of think, okay, so this dude's just, just going to be wandering around killing people now uh, because that's what the film is suggesting. But it, that's not what happens at all. And we'll get into what happens with him. But... You know, like, like you'll see him and, you know, now he's singing a song about how much he loves meat. And then like, you, and then you see him, you, then you see him and he's like wearing like a full, like genie costume complete with sword, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> rocking out to a new wave band, you know, and, I, and you can't tell if he's trying to kill them or if he's trying to enjoy the music. Either yeah. way, he's either way, he's swinging his sword around. In a crowded room, it's great. Like, just everything the character does and, like, everything he says. Because there are moments where, like, you're like, does he even speak English? And then the next next scene, he's like, he's speaking perfect English. <laughs> or as perfect as this performance will allow. Right, now, right, right. I, I could understand someone thinking that maybe this presentation is rather culturally insensitive. but At the very I, least, yeah. I don't think it's supposed to be based in any sort of... Reality, I think, especially I think I feel like it, it plays worse in 2017 than it would have played at the time. Though I'm not, I I can't say that for sure. I was a very young man. I, I kind of almost feel out. like he was intended to be some kind of like comic relief. You know? Yeah. But, well, I think it, for those who who can't really picture what this character is like, he's obviously supposed to be like a Tor Johnson surrogate in this movie. Yeah, or maybe in Abdullah the Butcher. Well, that is someone because also a Canadian, by the way. Yeah, and um, he and he looks he looks a lot like like as as they call him in the industry, Abby. Abby, right? <laughs> Except he's not spreading Hep C to everybody. No, no he's not. He's not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a piece but you of didn't shit. you didn't think I knew about that one, Mo? <laughs> oh, I oh I had a feeling. I had a feeling. <laughs> so after sticking uh, this uh, this bad guy's head into the furnace, back up in the meeting, smoke starts pouring into the room and everyone runs out or should i say everyone but one person mo and who stays behind yawn yawn or john or what jan <laughs> they, they like everybody in this movie pronounces his name differently it's hilarious. yes exactly uh and in fact when i had written my notes initially i just wrote him down as john uh i realized that's and that's really funny because i thought his name was dan for half the movie <laughs> Mo, I think all of that power pop music has destroyed your eardrum. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sitting here, just daydreaming about finding the girl of my dreams. Well, John stays behind to steal the change that was collected during the meeting. Yeah, and it. We find out later on that it was like a dollar forty. It was nothing. Yeah, it was nothing. 
it does kind of suggest that that John is uh, John is a little bit of a, a thief or maybe a miscreant, but we that's not really the case. The fact is he is a science-minded young man uh, with a British accent, by the way, which is very confusing. <laughs> Uh, is, is, it, who, is it British or is it Australian? Because I because it, it struck me as Australian. Well, let me take a look here where the gentleman himself is from. I'm going to guess that I was correct and that you're wrong. That's but, fine. Uh, uh, the confirmation here is uh, I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he has an accent that does not fit the sort of, of uh, exaggerated Russian accent of the rest of his family. Right. But he's trying to get money together because he wants to buy a power source for one of his scientific experiments, which gets revealed a little bit later in the movie. Well, I mean, you know, he reveals what his intention is pretty early, like when he's counting the money, because he wants to be the first man in space. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. But in terms of how he's necessarily going to (laughs) do that. Right, right, right. (laughs) We'll find out a little bit later. Another thing that just gets more and more ridiculous. So then we go to the mayor's office, Mo, where the mayor and his uh, crony is, are, are having a meeting with Abdullah. Um, he offers him a cigarette, and when he refuses it, he goes, You're a smart man, Abdullah. I've been trying to give him up for years. <clears throat> the town council love, has decided. Yep. I, I kind of love the mayor. You know, yeah, he's the mayor's not, great. He, he's not nearly in enough of the movie, but he's he's pretty great. And he's even better <laughs> when he when he quote-unquote comes back. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing, man. Like he, he's so good that when he comes back, that I really wish there's more of that in the movie. Especially yeah. because what happens to him? Yeah, wink, wink. We're we're, we're just hinting at it. Uh, <laughs> is it? You know, it, there's it, there's it doesn't have like a climactic moment to it. No, not nearly climactic enough. But this is great. So basically, they're firing Abdullah for fucking up and making it too warm during that meeting. <laughs> and Abdullah just stares them down and they're <laughs> terrified. And he starts to walk away and leave the room, and the mayor stops him. And what does he do, Mo? Yeah, so the mayor says, basically hands him something and says, you know, here, here Abdullah, have have this so you can remember all of us here at City Hall. And he, <laughs> what he hands him is basically the phone directory, like the, yeah. the town hall phone directory that Abdullah promptly tears in half and throws down. Then he puts on his fez and he yeah. leaves, and the mayor just looks kind of concerned. <laughs> As he so, should. Abdul is an you know, intimidating-looking dude. Oh, well, I mean, his concern is is uh, uh, justified in just a couple of minutes because <laughs> we later see the mayor leave his office and get into his car. Very nice-looking car. Yeah. Uh, but it's unable to start, so he does what anyone would do. He opens the hood and starts poking around. And then what happens, Mo? <laughs> <laughs> well, he manages to get the car started. Um, you know, somehow he manages to get the car started from the engine. But that's mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, and then Abdullah, <laughs> Abdullah slams the, uh, the, the hood down on him and then shoves his hand into one of the fans uh, in the engine. Yeah. Pr- chopping his hand to shreds and somehow killing him this is probably my favorite like gore effect in this movie it's pretty cool i i love that it reminds me there's a scene i think in the toxic avenger where someone's hand gets put into like a video rewind machine Mm. uh and it's it's sort of like that where you get the the fake hand that just gets sliced to fucking bits it's 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 gory but it's also like ridiculous at the same time i like it a lot i am a fan so uh, back to John, who is uh, now counting the chains that he stole earlier. Uh, he works on a piece of equipment briefly, and he actually hears 
the car startup, the mayor's car startup, and he looks out the window, uh, and he seems to think that there's something unusual about it, like he just has a weird look on his face, or maybe he has an idea because he picks up a toy rocket in his room. And this is actually a hint to something that happens later, Mo, but I did not know that at the time. Yeah, not only did I not know that, it did, I mean, like, like I had an idea of what was going to happen, but not the way it happened. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, so he's going to strap a rocket onto a car and use the car to launch the rocket. Right. No. No. But we'll get to, we'll get to that later. So we get a brief shot of the UFO flying through space just to remind us that that is still happening. Uh, still and, a thing. And then we get introduced to the rest of the Wazinski family. Uh, the, the mother is, uh, or actually the grandmother is up and she's talking about this dream that she had. And then she bites into some garlic. They're really quite a stereotype here in this, uh, in this movie. Yeah. She basically just takes a, just a, like an apple bite right out of a head of, right out of a, a head of garlic. <laughs> My but, God. And uh, Mr. Wazinski also gets up uh, and he seems in a very good mood because he's going to get the new sewage contract from the mayor that day. Yeah. And and there's a suggestion here that perhaps he's uh, done some criminal things in the past, that he's sort of a cheapskate, that sort of thing. Again, not very pleasant stereotypes on display here. Uh, and then he asks, what what is for breakfast? Which opens up to this conversation. Oh, what's for breakfast? Pierogies. Mama's recipe? Of course not. Then let's eat. There's a lot of like little sounds in the background. If you listen back to that clip before when Bob is doing his um, little introduction about his uh, universal language, there's like a burping noise right at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I guess it's just to spice things up a little bit. Um, we also get introduced now. This The family is the grandmother, the mother and father, who we just uh, heard talking, the son, John, who we, we uh, uh, were referring to just a moment ago, and the daughter, Mo. Do you remember what the daughter's name is? It's like Mila. Mila, I think, yeah. is the name of the daughter. And uh, and and uh, John immediately starts talking about how he needs money for his science project. Uh, and uh, Yusef, who is the father, uh, he says that John uh, can work for him in order to raise the money. However, in order to do that, first he needs to give union dues and initiation fee. <laughs> 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 but but I love I love the daughter comes in and she's listening to music on like a little transistor radio and the father and Yusuf asks her uh you know what are, what are you listening to and she goes you jerk <laughs> <laughs> no dad that's the name of the no, band that's the name of the band you <laughs> jerk so so uh, the mother asks when the daughter is going to get married and this leads to her being set up with a friend of uh, John who is named Ace and the mother asks is he a Moldavian and he goes, no, he's a greaser. And then she goes, grease boys are so nice. <laughs> but yeah, again, that, that is another uh, sort of affectation of the time period this is supposed to be in. He's a greaser, like a 50s-style greaser. Yeah, he's also the least greasy greaser I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, that's that's true. You know, uh, you know, I understand it's a low-budget film, but I mean, invest in a tube of Brill cream, for Christ's sake. I mean, it's whatever. It's I'm just going to ask you a question right now, Mo, what? because I don't want to be embarrassed to ask it later. When that new wave band plays near the end of the movie, that's Ace as the lead singer, is it? Is it? I think it is. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I know Mila's playing keyboards. Yeah. 
But I, I didn't pay enough attention to what Ace looked like to, to know if that He's was He's also true. wearing a lot of makeup in that particular he scene. He is wearing a ton of makeup. So then we cut to Bob opening his store, uh, and he is getting a delivery of meat for the day. While this is going on, Abdullah walks by with a sack, a very similar-looking sack to the meat that Bob is uh, being delivered. And in that sack is, of course, the corpse of the mayor. I guess he's been walking around all night with it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, and it's great too because uh, you know, so Abdullah puts the bag down basically mm-hmm. because he needs to take a rest. Before it was Baghdad, now it's bag down. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got to do the bag down boogie, bu- <laughs> and, and he kind of like walks around to the side of the building, <laughs> leans leans against the building, and in that moment, the meat guys, you know, I mean, first off. If like if there was just a bag of meat on the ground, like wouldn't you just want to like like why would you deliver it? But anyway, you know, I, at different times, I guess different times. But uh, yeah, so 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 the meat guys pick up the bag and bring it in. Yes, exactly. Thinking that it's just a sack of meat, um, and in this case, it, very, it leads to a very, <laughs> which which in essence it is. <laughs> it leads to a very uh, a Fraser esque screwball esque. Comedy, <laughs> because uh, after these this meat is delivered and it's we uh, Abdullah looks through the window and sees Bob lock it into like a meat freezer hmm. or meat locker, and uh, that leads Abdullah to come in to the store, and that's when Bob gives him his a catchphrase, which is actually written on the front of the store as well. And what's that, Mo? Do you remember? It's uh, pleased to meet you, meet to please you. <laughs> I love Bob. He's a great guy. <laughs> He's a great character. So Bob and Abdullah try to have a conversation, but Abdullah at this point is only responding in grunts, and which makes Bob wish that his uh, universal language was a lot more popular. <laughs> but this leads to him mistaking Abdullah for the new apprentice butcher, and this leads to maybe my favorite moment in the entire movie, where Bob takes the help wanted sign out of the window, and then uh, this happens. job. Hey, well, go to it. We don't need that anymore. You're enthusiastic. I like that. (laughs) So in case you couldn't tell what was happening, Bob takes the sign out of the window. Abdullah rips it to pieces and Bob is overjoyed. He's like, go do it. (laughs) We don't need that anymore. And then uh, I, 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 I honestly, I honestly, truly believe that the scenes between Bob and Abdullah are the best scenes in the movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's actually because I don't find the the uh, the Wazinski family as interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I'm always a little bit of a bummer when we move away from these characters. Yeah, I feel I felt the same thing. Yeah. So uh, we cut to the mayor's office, um, and it's actually the alderman uh, asking for the mayor on the phone, and his his secretary picks up. And they don't know where he is. He usually is in in the morning and is very rarely late. And they're get, she's getting a little bit concerned. And then the door opens and she, and this is a very strangely staged scene. She is supposed to think that it's the mayor coming in. So she starts to get undressed. But it's actually uh, Yusuf coming in. Yes. And then she is slightly embarrassed to discover that it's him instead. And then she shows even more concern about the fact that the mayor is not there. Of course, Yusuf is there for his meeting. He's also disappointed. And she worries that maybe the mayor is laying in a ditch, ditch somewhere, a car accident, or electrocuted himself in the bathroom while shaving. Yep. What movie does this movie most remind you of, Mo? 
Hmm? Does this movie remind you of any other movies? Uh, nothing's popping to mind, but I, you're going to say something and I'm going to kick myself for not thinking of it. No, 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 not at all. I just, I have to think like what, what, why would someone in 1982 make a movie like this? Like what, what, what inspired them to think that this might be something that other people would want to see? I think there's a clear Rocky Horror Picture Show influence here. Yeah, sure. You know, and I mean, and I'm, I'm, I see, and I don't know when, see the problem is I don't know when the, the remake of Little Shop of Horrors came out, but that you know, kind of like, it's the same idea as well. The movie version came out a few years after this. Yeah. But I don't well, remember I, I when the stage show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you're right. They, that There's certainly a similarity to that that sort of style there. And, and it actually reminds me a little bit of the kind of John Waters movies that were being made in like the late 70s, like Desperate sure, Living, sure. things like that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, back to the butcher shop. Two women come in and start arguing immediately. One of them is Mrs. Miss uh, Wazinski, the mother. And the other one is this Scottish woman who speaks in a very intense Scottish accent and apparently only purchases haggis from the butcher shop. Yeah, in fact, when um, when Sanderson is uh, going to the meeting before, he's actually delivering some haggis. Sorry, did you say to- the meeting? Uh, the meeting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pleased to meet you? Meet to please you. <laughs> uh, he's delivering her haggis as well. That's what Scottish people like, Mo. They love haggis. Everyone knows it. They love the haggis. So uh, they uh, order, actually, Ms. Wazinski first orders some ground beef from Abdullah, who looks very confused. And then he takes a piece of meat. And when she suggests that he grind it up, he starts to rip it to pieces. And this is where I felt that this movie might have been a little racially insensitive. <laughs> yeah, this did have a bit of a uh, Kamala feel to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going, going he, back he to... He slap uh, his belly or anything. <laughs> he doesn't slap his belly. <laughs> uh, if only kimchi was there. <laughs> so then uh, she decides after seeing him rip this meat apart that maybe she'll just get some bologna instead. And this leads into the... Uh, title song of the movie Big Meat Eater, Mo. And would you like to listen to a little bit of it? I would love to. I knew that you would. So I'm going to put it on. <laughs> well, I'm a big meat eater. Yes, I am. I'm a big meat eater. Pass the ham. <laughs> I like my meat. Hot and strong. I don't want to be long. So you get a sense of what that's all about. <laughs> and honestly, that entire song is super entertaining. <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's really weird because Miss Wazinski starts to like like remove bo- some of her clothes and dance around. Yeah, both of them start dancing dancing to the song as well. Yeah, especially the the Scottish woman looks particularly impressed when he rips a chicken apart with his bare hands. Yeah, he tears that chicken right in half. It's fucking, <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. He's destroying meat the entire time while he's singing. And, like, the ladies are just dancing, you know. <laughs> so later, John is reading in school. Uh, or basically, he's reading under his desk and not paying attention to the class that he's a part of. Uh, and this is a, And he's kind of uh, admonished for it. Then the class continues, and it's very unusual where, like, the teacher says, what is the golden rule? Do you remember what the golden rule is, Mo? I, I you know, I wish I had written down some of the answers to these questions, but I didn't. Um, they were, It was super fucking weird. I did write down what they did at the end of the class, but, yeah. Okay, have, we'll get to that in just a second. To the, to, yeah, go ahead. It's a very Fallout-esque yeah, for people it's... who play that video game. 
really moment weird. where she has what is the golden rule and it's when the business profits the people prosper uh and she also asks where does the future lie and the future lies in the future <laughs> and then what happens mo and then it's time for their daily gum massage so it's a whole class of people sticking their fingers in their mouths and massaging their gums. Ugh. It's a it's quite a it's a bit of a surreal moment, I would it's, say. It's in a, a movie sur- that has a few. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the more surreal moments. <laughs> so then it cuts back to the butcher shop, which uh, now it's closing time, Mo, and Bob has the very apt statement, "How time flies when you're grinding meat." <laughs> <laughs> And Bob basically demands that Abdullah goes home for the day because he doesn't have the money to pay him overtime. <laughs> um, but then uh, Abdullah, uh, he, he will just kind of continues to chop up meat and mops the floor. And Bob goes, you're really quite a guy, Abdullah. Um, and yeah, I, fact, love, I, I love how much Bob loves Abdullah. Like, like yeah. just as the movie goes on, like they become like best friends. Even after he kills him, he has a lot of affection for yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> So... Uh, he tells him not to mop, but then it reminds him that actually they do have to clean the store. And this is when we're introduced to the fact that there's a very uh, a visible trap door in kind of the main room of this butcher shop that leads into a septic tank. Ugh. Yeah, it's kind of gross, but it will come into play a little later. Um, Abdullah really is, is sticking around because he wants uh, he wants uh, Bob to open the, the meat freezer um, and... And he convinces, just through motions and grunts, that somehow he has planted a surprise in the meat freezer for Bob. Now, that oh, is dis- you put a surprise in there for me. Okay. <laughs> this is despite the fact that it's been locked the entire time that they've been there. <laughs> but somehow, apparently, Abdullah has been in there and planted some sort of surprise. So uh, this is supposed to be a very tense scene where Bob goes into the freezer and Abdullah comes up behind him. And he's like, where's my surprise? Where is it? And... <laughs> Then yeah, he, try, yeah, he tries to kill him with a with a, a thing of sausage links, and the links just break. And Bob's <laughs> just like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah, he, goes, he goes, "Thank you, Abdullah. That yeah, was a very you. funny surprise." <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Canadian moment in a very Canadian movie. <laughs> And then a little bit later, uh, the Wazinskis are watching a movie, uh, and this leads to uh, the grandmother talking about how the—I guess they're watching a monster movie, and she says that the real monsters were in the old country, and she shows a picture of the silent movie version of the Golem. Mm. Not to be mistaken for Gollum, Mo. Yeah. Can you can you do a Gollum impression? Oh, I can't. Absolutely can't. Come on. Come on. Come on, Mo. Hey, precious. That sort of thing. Oh man, where did Doug go? Uh, all of a sudden, oh, Andy, I know. Sir- Andy Circus got here. <laughs> uh, next on the actor studio, Mo. Uh, you know what? I'd like to listen to a little. Uh, I'd like to stop talking to Kevin Spacey <laughs> and maybe talk to Christopher Walken for a moment, if I could. <laughs> okay, I'm a big meat eater. See, that's my Chris Walken. What do you think? <laughs> oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> Uh, so the daughter uh, is uh, the what's her name again? Mo, please. I don't, me. I don't know, but I've got a list of questions from my mentor Anton Bivo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Nina, and we're not entirely sure that's her name, but Nina, <laughs> uh, according to the IMDb, comes downstairs. She's getting ready for her date with Ace, uh, but she's stopped by her mother, who uh, puts, who tells her actually, gives her some pierogies to put down her the front of her dress. 
Uh, and it's very fucking weird, actually. It's so fucking weird. It's, it makes your womanhood bigger, and they're nice to touch. Yeah, they feel good when you squeeze them. Very, very strange. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. And then Ace briefly proves that he is a greaser by honking his horn. And there's this great moment where uh, Yusef uh, opens the door uh, when he uh, uh, when he arrives. And, and when he sees Ace, he just closes the door right in his face. <laughs> <laughs> Very 70s sitcom type thing to do. Um, and they, uh, he comes in, they have a little small talk, and he says that the plan is for him and Nina to go see a movie, Panic on Muscle Beach in 3D. And this leads the grandmother to say that she knows about 3D. Death, doom, and destruction. <laughs> the, the, I'm telling you, the grandmother character, until the end when she reads Bob's palm, like until that moment, she is insufferable she is really irritating in this yeah. movie no doubt about it uh I, li- I like that the going to the movie story is just a cover for what they're really going to do and ace just outright admits it <laughs> immediately <laughs> well, saying that they're said, really just going to go to the lake instead well she says she says so what's the real plan <laughs> and, he yeah. just, and he just says it wait till you get the car girl come on now in the background of this scene the radio is on mo and it's playing uh, do, do you remember what it's playing no it's playing a recording of a hockey game because this is a Canadian movie, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's the 500th goal of Maurice Rocket Richard, the uh, legendary hockey player here. In oh, very important. Not not for any reason I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see uh, this cuts to John who uh, rappels up the side of a building, climbs in through a window, uh, and um, yeah, they never really establish what exactly he's breaking into. So I'm like, is he breaking into the school? Yeah, right. We don't know. He he basically is trying to break into a a, um, a desk to get a cash box, but we yeah. don't really know who it belongs to necessarily. I guess it doesn't really even matter. But we do know that uh, it cuts to the spaceship, the UFO that's hovering nearby. They mentioned that they have discovered a potential fuel supply, and they uh, look to contact an Earthling. Then a, a green beam of energy shoots into this room where John is, uh, and he gets... Uh, he, he gets kind of raised into the air, like levitated and brought over into the UFO. Yeah, he's abducted. And uh, I love the fact that this is the first time we get to see the aliens. And the aliens are basically just wind-up robot toys. I mean, not even basically. That is, that's just yeah. what they are. They're just they wind-up toys. Wind-up toys. <laughs> and why the fuck not, right? Yeah, no, it's actually kind of genius. And it's what a, what a great way to, you know, to show aliens and when you have no budget just put a couple of toys in there you gotta do what you gotta do now when they get him uh they immediately say that he possesses criminal tendencies what should we do with him they decide to do a temporary mutation and get rid of him i i'm i find it confusing that they were surprised by his criminal activities because he was stealing something when they found him (laughs) yeah right right (laughs) uh and we're gonna learn what that temporary mutation is in just a second because then it cuts to ace and the daughter, uh, Nina, and they're making out in the front seat of a car. Um, and uh, we actually, uh, John is sent back nearby to the Earth. And uh, she thinks it's a shooting star briefly. And as they're making out, they separate. And we see, where it's revealed, Mo, it's a very funny joke, that the grandmother is in the back seat. Yeah, she's coughing. Yeah. Yeah, she starts coughing and they kind of separate. And there's the grandmother there. And they explain that it's like a custom, you know. It's, well, yeah, you know, you gotta, gotta do that. Yeah, you know, got to leave room for the Holy Ghost in between them, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, Ace does mention that he's gotten a job recently with the mayor's office, uh, that his job is to enforce the dental plan. If some citizen doesn't keep up with the payment, he rearranges their teeth. Waka waka. And then we see some sort of weird lizard creature walking around Mo. It's very dark. Yeah, this is a really, really dark shot. I mean, it kind of, it basically looks like, like Jan, John, whatever his name is is um, wearing, like, a creature from the Black Lagoon mask. You know, some kind sort of, like, of right. some kind of, like, fish face thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And he comes yeah. up to to the window. The, the Ace and Nina are outside the car. Uh, John, in this makeup, comes up to the window, scares the grandmother who starts screaming. This leads Ace to run over and uh, beat, beat the hell out of him while saying this. <laughs> Suck rocks, Suck rocks puss face. Puss face. <laughs> uh, and we do learn, by the way, in just a little bit, that the mutation wears off. <laughs> so, and actually, it doesn't seem to have any real ill effects at all, except for just temporarily turning into some sort of mutant fish creature. Yeah, and like, uh, and honestly, like, because because this is the the first time they do, there's a temporary mutation that happens, and both times there's no real particularly negative effect yeah that's exactly right yeah. uh the, the other one's even more confusing than this one actually <laughs> so this is the aliens sort of re, uh reveal what their plan is which is that there's a reservoir of rotting meat slowly mutating into radioactive balonium balonium under the butcher shop and they also mentioned that there's a non-functional earthling suspended in the butcher shop which is of course the mayor and they ask should we reactivate him so you know what the answer to that is mo yes so the mayor escapes from the bag that he's in within this butcher shop. And then what happens, Mo? All right, so <laughs> I forget what he actually says, but he starts singing a song to himself, basically, like as he's <laughs> making his way out. Um, did, did you write down what he said? Because I don't remember what he said specifically. I just remember him singing a song, and I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, he, he sings a song about being a zombie, basically, about yeah. coming back from the dead. Uh, it's It's... Even though his singing voice uh, is not great, it is a very amusing song. And you know what? Yeah. Uh, I don't have a clip of it here, but I think what I'll do is I'll include a clip of that at the end of the episode so everyone can hear <laughs> this Living Dead song, especially because um, we got some very sad news today, Mo. Yes. we. I honestly am trying to be sincere. <laughs> no, I know. I, so am I. Because uh, we just I... learned uh, just a few hours before we recorded this episode that George A. Romero has passed away, and uh, and there is a living dead element, obviously actually inspired by the works of George A. Romero. So uh, we'll we'll put a little bit of that uh, at the end of this episode in some small tribute to the man himself. Yeah, it sucks. By the way, Mo, I really love the uh, the movies of George Romero, and in fact, uh, I said on my Facebook today when I found out about his death that that you know Dawn of the Dead is a movie that really changed my life in a real uh, you know really significant way. It completely changed the way that I looked at movies. Yeah. Yeah, I can actually say sort of the same with uh, with Night, you know. Um, it was one of the first horror films I, I ever saw, you know. I mean, I, I, oddly enough, the first one I ever saw was uh, was Nightmare on Elm Street. But um, <laughs> but but I saw but I saw Night of the Living Dead not too long after that. And yeah, I just, you know, like, I mean, I was too young to understand the social implications of it. Sure. But, what, but as I got older and I, and I continued watching horror films and continued, you know, understanding what was happening, yeah, it became a big, 
a very important film in my life. On the note of that social aspect of it, you know, Dawn of the Dead was the kind of movie that that really introduced me to the possibility of that social aspect that could occur sure, in horror movies. Sure, sure. Uh, and and you know, a lot of people, you know, they criticize it for being a little obvious. Now, well, I'll tell you, man. Sometimes a little bit of of straightforward satire can really work well, especially for audiences who are like I was just a teenager, an idiot, right? I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I used to watch right. that movie every single week for months and months and months because I loved it so much. So uh, a big shout out to the late George A. Romero. Moving on, Mo. Yeah. Uh, the Meat Locker. Uh, okay, yeah. So <laughs> the mayor does come back as a zombie. Uh, we then see that uh, John wakes up. Um, in his bedroom and the mutation has worn off. I wonder how he got into his bedroom. That's a bit of an interesting story right there. Maybe he repelled up the side of his own house. Maybe. Then we see Bob once again outside of... Oh, God, this is an unfortunate Uh, story as well. This is is arguably one of my favorite scenes in the entire film, uh, (laughs) just for how fucking ridiculous it is. So so (laughs) Bob runs into... jan john and uh you know and and basically he's telling him like i'm gonna go i need to go work on my my science experiment and bob asks to 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 join along to tag along with him so they're up there looking around and bob's like super into it because because bob's super into everything i just uh, i just want to stop you there just for a second mo simply because right before that bob just briefly has an interaction with a young baseball player and his dog Oh uh, right, and, that, and that's, that's going to play into something a little bit later. And he gives the dog some meat. And Bob, by the way, he just stops for a second. And he says, "Gee, it's great to be alive." <laughs> 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 but then, what you just said, yes. So Bob uh, goes to John's laboratory, basically. Yeah, and so he's he's showing him bits and pieces of his experiment, and Bob's like touching everything like a little kid, you know. And uh, <laughs> and uh, Dan, uh, I see my notes say Dan here, and John tells him. You know, that he lacks uh, proper propulsion. They start talking about chemicals. Yes. You know, and uh, and Bob's like, oh, I work with chemicals too, you know. And they start talking about chemicals. And then Jan, John, starts doing this ridiculous dance. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, what is going on here? And then one of the greatest moments in this <laughs> film happens. And thank goodness you got audio for it. This will give you a really good sense of what this sequence is like. Let's have a listen. Yeah, please. (laughs) Yeah? I'd like to see that. Yes, Jan, we live in a chemical world. We have chemically treated yarns. Chemical fertilizers stimulate plant growth. Insecticides check pest destruction. Linoleum, uranium, plutonium, insanium, acid, alkali, red dye, goodbye. The water we drink is purified by chlorine. Chemically created explosions mine our minerals. Chemistry plays a vital role in modern medicine and in the treatment of steel. You get a sense there of what, like, this very Devo-esque song that's playing out. Well, I, could leg- I could legit listen to that entire song. It's yeah, so it's great. great. It's so yeah. good. And John is there with, like, a... Um, uh, like a computer circuit board yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. just kind of like dancing with it in like a very robotic a, a manner. Very herky-jerky robotic exactly. <laughs> And so whenever the actual singing is happening, that's John and then the talking is Bob. Yes. Oh, my God. It's, such, it's, it's like, I'm, like, I remember like when that scene happened, that, like I hadn't been like fully invested into the movie up until this point and then that song happened and I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> 
So that scene actually fades out to the color green, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then it cuts to the next day where Mr. Wazinski, um, he's gone to see the mayor once again to see if he's in. And surprisingly enough, the mayor is in. And when when uh, Yusuf asks where he's been, he says <laughs> he, said he got hung up. <laughs> <laughs> then he says he feels like a new man today. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, you know, Yusuf is there to find out about that sewage contract. But instead, uh, the mayor wants him to work on this new uh, building, the uh, Berquitlam Vision of Tomorrowland building. A commitment to the future. That's right. A commitment to the future. Very sci-fi looking model that he has there. Uh, and then he, the mayor tells him to go. And by the way, this entire sequence, the mayor is wearing a hat. A very, um, uh, you know, it's very obviously there for a reason. Once, once Yusuf leaves, he takes off the hat. And what does that reveal, Mo? Oh, I didn't even notice. Well, he's he has sort of like these antennae that are sort oh, of oh right, right, yeah, going yeah. up from the back of his head, and then he communicates with the aliens, and that sounds like yes, O oh, masters of the sky, I have done your bidding. The wheels are in motion. Excellent. But remember, we have resurrected you, and we can destroy you. By the way, is the prosthetic device operating correctly? <laughs> Yes, soul master. <laughs> All right. So his so he, he so he holds up his hand and you heard that noise. That noise is the sound of like an electric mixer. Yes. His hand yeah. has been replaced with an electric mixer. And it's fucking fantastic. It's really really terrific. By the way, you heard just then uh the aliens speaking to him. All the alien dialogue is also subtitled, but they are just speaking English. I don't know why it is. Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of, I kind of understand because, like, with the robotic voice, sometimes it's a little hard to understand exactly what they're saying. Fair. But, uh, but yeah, that being said, it wasn't entirely necessary to subtitle it. So the mayor then uh, sends one of his goons to check out the butcher shop and see what that's all about. Uh, the the goon is like, is like, you know, should I be violent? He's like, no, no, be subtle. And we'll get to how subtle he was and just... That scene is really strange, but we'll get to that in just a second. I, I like how uh, he's confused at the idea of subtle. He's like, subtle. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, it cuts uh, back to Yusuf's house where the grandma Wazinski and uh, the mother, they're basically just telling sad stories about the home, the, their home country and about how great it is that they no longer have to leave their home, uh, which of course leads into Yusuf coming in, uh, revealing that the it's, vision it's of Tomorrowland... It is the shortest foreshadowing <laughs> of all time. Like, they're literally like, oh, it's, you know, Yusuf promised me we'd never have to leave our home. Honey, I'm <laughs> home. We got to leave the home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Because the tomorrow, the vision of Tomorrowland is going to be built on the location where their house is. Right. I mean, the idea, if I pieced it together correctly, is that the vision of Tomorrowland is an idea by the aliens. And they want it put on this location because all the, the balonium underneath the butcher shop... They share a building, so the 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 Wazinskis live in the upper floor of the butcher shop. Yeah, they do. Yeah, um, but it's also it's a landing pad. Yes, is exactly. What the the vision of Tomorrowland is basically a landing pad for the thing. But I okay. So there's one thing we didn't mention that I also kind of loved is that Yusuf shows up with gifts. Yes, he does. <laughs> what are the gifts, Mo? So so to the grandmother, there's basically just a he gives her a string of garlic. Yes, and of she's, course. Super excited about this garlic. <laughs> and then to the mother, he gives her 
Um, like it's a like it, it's called a mandolin, you know? Yeah, like, like a mandolin, like a uh, yeah, like a you know, chopper, it slices, like a dices, slicer. cuts French yeah. fries in five different ways, right? And and, and then they, they 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 have this thing where they all say it at the same time, and I don't know if it's a reference to something or not. I don't remember specifically what they said, but I thought it was kind of funny. But I love the fact that he gives the grandmother just a string of garlic, <laughs> and how super excited she is <laughs> for the string of garlic. Well, when they find out that they're being kicked out of their apartment, they're not very happy about it. And no. in fact, they kick Yusuf out and they the mother calls him a homewrecker. <laughs> <laughs> and they start tossing plates at him. They start throwing plates at him and he runs into John outside and John wants to talk to him in private. So they decide to leave so they would stop throwing things at them. Um, and so basically, he uh, John takes Yusuf back to his lab uh, and gives his father the money that he's collected and stolen. As an initiation fee so he can work for him, but really he just wants to get a loan right off the bat because he wants to send away for some plutonium and uranium for his project. Yeah. <laughs> and Yusuf basically just uh, talks about, you know, how much more he'll appreciate the the money if he uh, earns it fair and square. <laughs> There's a part here where uh, uh, John um, plugs in like a machine and it just shoots out a bunch of sparks. But uh, just to show you that, you know, there's science stuff going on in this room. Yeah. So anyway, the basic agreement here is that uh, John can can start working right away for his father because he's got this big project that he's going to be starting anyway. This scene doesn't really go anywhere. No. <laughs> so Bob, now you might remember again that uh, the Wazinskis live above the butcher shop, which is going to be demolished, but Bob does not know about this yet. Bob is at the butcher shop and he's on the phone and he's being told some good news that he's going to be he's been nominated to be the chairman of the citizens committee uh, for the Berquitlam vision of Tomorrowland. So he actually gets off the phone and then calls all of his customers to attention so he can announce this to them. <laughs> and then and he then gets I, a delivery. Yeah. yeah, sorry. No, no, yeah, it's yeah, he gets he ends up getting a, a delivery like a telegraph uh, from John. Um, basically telling him that his building has been chosen as the site for the pavilion and that the building would be destroyed. So now he's... Oh, and they give him flowers. And flowers as well, yeah. of course. And they also... They, they, he also slips him a uh, like a little note card that says... Uh, this is something to the effect of if you're like if you're in an, an impossible like if you have an impossible choice you know come see this soothsayer sort of yeah, thing. Exactly. That, yeah exactly yeah he's gonna go see a psychic uh and but before he leaves uh another character enters the butcher shop moen who is this this is the the other alderman um who is pretending to be a salesman yeah this is very weird this whole part i'm not sure what his end game is here uh <laughs> But he is supposed to be selling brushes, uh, but he's also selling a reliable general spot remover that is really just shaving foam. It's and then shaving he, cream, yeah. Yeah, shaving cream. And then he even sa- he puts it on Abdullah's face, and he's like, it can also be used as shaving foam. And this makes Abdullah very upset. Yeah, he grabs <laughs> him and picks him up. It's great. <laughs> so Bob says he doesn't have time to really look at this, so he leaves and leaves Abdullah to take care of the guy. And after Bob leaves, Abdullah immediately tries to kill him. And the guy hops up on the counter and starts tap dancing and singing. Yeah. Uh, and then he just runs out the door. Yeah, it's it's a great moment. It's just a really <laughs> weird. It's a really, really weird moment. And, and it's great. I love it. So Bob goes to see the psychic, Mo. And who is the psychic? 
the psychic is my namesake for tonight's podcast, uh, Madam Januska, D- Januska, <laughs> who is basically just Jan in uh, drag, for lack of a better term. I guess we should be pronouncing it Jan since this is Januska, but I'll tell yeah. you, a lot of people just call him John in this movie. Yeah. Uh, or maybe Han. Um, so she knows, of course, she, being Madam uh, Januska, knows Bob's name before he comes in because, of course, it's John. <laughs> um, and sh- so he's invited in uh, and sh- she already knows about the Tomorrowland and all that sort of shit. Uh, and she gives him some tea, <laughs> which Bob immediately spits out because it tastes terrible. <laughs> she goes, it's a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> which means it's going to cost him another $5. And he goes, I only have 10. And he goes, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so while this is going on, uh, the grandmother arrives, I guess home, which suggests that this is upstairs from the butcher shop, which suggests that wouldn't Bob know who this is? Basically, but, this just shows that Bob is an idiot. He is kind of an idiot. Yeah. But anyway, the grandmother it comes in. She's very upset about the fact that he's using her crystal ball and all this sort of shit. And then John basically gets her in on this con that he's doing yeah, by he showing her the, the money. money. Yeah, yeah. so she gets involved and she rubs his palm uh, and she says that she sees a man at the crossroads. Um, and she tells him to beware of the man who works for him because he brings dark forces from the east. <laughs> I love John's response. He goes, Abdullah, he's the soul of gentleness. <laughs> <laughs> but meanwhile, she's like literally screaming, the depths of hell. <laughs> <laughs> and this culminates in her saying this. I can't say no more. Only meet your fate. Meet your fate. Meet your fate. What a weird movie Meet. this is, Mo. <laughs> it's a very strange movie. Meet your fate. So uh, then it cuts briefly to the butcher shop again where Abdullah is there by himself. Uh, remember that boy with the dog earlier? Well, the Aww. dog is by himself outside the window. Uh, Abdullah lures the dog inside and we see him drag him off screen. And that's... I. As a dog lover, Mo, I didn't much care for this at all. Yeah, I don't like I don't like violence against dogs. We don't see the dog getting hurt, but we do see Abdullah chopping meat later with a little bit of fur on it that looks very similar to the dog. Yes. And Bob then arrives and he asks Abdullah what he's doing. And of course, he's supposed to be like supposed to make it look like he's suspicious for a second, and he goes, You're preparing refreshments for the talent show. <laughs> you know, and I like the f- I like the fact that because the dog is a Dalmatian, so of course the meat is gonna have black spots in it. And he's like, "Oh, you're making chicken loaf with olives, my favorite." <laughs> Bob has made a decision, by the way, with the help, I guess, of the psychic. He is going to give up his butcher shop, uh, which means that he has to let Abdullah go. Abdullah does not like hearing this at all. Oh. Um, and Bob says he's never seen anyone take to meat butchering like Abdullah has. <laughs> <laughs> we then cut Mo to the talent show, which, by the way, up until the point that he mentioned preparing the, the, the meat for the talent show, was there any mention of the talent show at all in this movie? Uh, nope. Not to my knowledge. It was very, like, it comes out of nowhere. It comes absolutely from, it comes so far from out of nowhere that I had, like, when it starts, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Because uh, we cut to this to this talent show, and the grandma's playing the accordion. Yes. And we're like, what the fuck is going on? It was extremely, uh, um, it was extremely confusing. Yeah. 
I was hoping that we'd have a uh, uh, appearance from Alan Shemper. Give us a a little Alan Shemper, Mo. Yeah, right. Arts and farts and crafts. (laughs) So anyway... The uh, Bob is uh, serving meat to the people who are attending the talent show, which, by the way, it's a full house. Um, and the boy from it's earlier, like the whole town is there. <laughs> yeah, the whole town is basically there. So uh, uh, Yusuf is there uh, getting some chicken loaf. The kid from earlier who owned the dog, he shows up and he's very upset because he can't find his dog anywhere. Um, and he says that the last place he saw him was outside the butcher shop. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob says that he can come over after the show and they'll look around together. He then offers more of the meat to Yusuf, who uh, he says this. Oh, pun alert. Well, uh, uh, Joseph, you have some more. No, no, thanks, Bob. Uh, it's a touch too strong for me. A little bit of a bite to oh! it, Joe. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a bite to it, Mo. A bit of a bite to it. It's very, very dark humor in this particular that, part of the that movie. Is a, that is particularly dark. I, I, You know, honestly, it's it's a great joke. It's it's a really ridiculous pun. So then Bob gets up on stage uh, and he says that it, as chairman of the Citizens Committee, I guess that nomination went through. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to welcome everyone to the talent show. He says the mayor couldn't be there because he's preparing for the groundbreaking ceremony, which is happening the next day. <laughs> and then he sings a song to the people, Mo. And let's have a little listen to this song called the banks of Brickwitlam. This is to be on the bonny bonny banks of Brickwitlam, where all good people love to be. It's a fucking ridiculous song. Yeah. It's like an old folk song, like a very kind of like an Irish type uh, song about how great the place that they are is. Right, like, yeah, so I imagine that's supposed to be, like, their town song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then it cuts to uh, Jan, or ja, uh, or John, working in his lab. Uh, again, he still wishes that he had his radioactive source to get the cyclotron going. Uh, and we see him pour some chemicals into his drain. Um, and I think the suggestion is, I guess, that the, the sewage is backing up, and that's how he's eventually going to get the power source that he needs. Right, because there's there's a very very briefly mentioned earlier that the um, that the runoff from the appliance factory is going directly into his septic tank. Exactly. Yeah, there was yeah. a mention earlier, so it does kind of fit together. Then we see the next act at the talent show, which is Nina Zavinsky and her band, and this is what, the one that you referred to earlier, Mo. It's a very new wave looking band. Uh, Nina plays like keyboards on it, and uh, they sing a song. Uh, a very fucking weird, but very good song, I think. Yeah, it's a great song. It's like about a heat-seeking missile. The yeah, song. something like something like that. And meanwhile, while this is happening, Ab- mm-hmm. Abdullah walks in through the back um, and walks right up the middle uh, towards the stage. Now, there's a moment where where there's a kind of a wide shot of the band playing, and you can see the girls in the back putting their headdresses on. Yeah. Which which seemed a little odd to me because it kind of blew the reveal a couple of seconds later. But anyway, Abdullah comes walking in and like and these girls in their you know their their outfits are following him up behind. He's dressed full out like a genie, mm-hmm. <laughs> complete with sword, and walks right up to the stage and starts slamming his sword onto the stage. And I'm like I'm like P- please tell me he's gonna kill the lead singer like. <laughs> 
You know, because it just would have been hilarious, like, if he just, like, in the middle of a crowded room just killed somebody. I like how he's killing, he would, like, he seems to be very threatening to this band for no particular reason. It's Um, very punk rock. But as he goes towards the front of the stage, we get to see the crowd, and it's a very strange crowd. I mean, you mentioned those... The head, the headdresses for like these indigenous dancers, and there's like a Scottish dancing troupe and a scout, uh, a group like a Cub Scouts are there. It's very fucking weird. Yeah, and this song goes on for a really long time, by the way. A really weird yeah, time it's, it's, to have it's a like full a length. Full, it, yeah, it's a full song. <laughs> so after the song ends, by the way, so no one gets killed. Abdul is apparently just appreciating the song by swinging his sword around, appreciating it in his own way. And then John, it cuts to him doing experiments still. Uh, and then he uses a Geiger counter to uh, find that some balonium is coming up from the sink. And he goes, my power source. And then he's like looking at like a 1950s issue of popular science. <laughs> so then the, things are like rapidly coming to a, uh, a climax here in the movie. We're very close to the end already. Um, Bob goes to the butcher shop uh, and he's like looking around kind of forlornly uh, about the idea that he's going to have to close it. Abdullah hides behind him. Uh, and as he's like, as Abdul is like stalking him, the words from the gypsy woman are like playing in Bob's head. <laughs> and what does Abdullah do, Mo? Abdullah smacks him over the head with a hog head. With a hog head. And blood goes and, everywhere when this happens. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, just a ridiculous amount of blood. It's actually pretty cool looking. Um, and then he stuffs him into the balonium pit. Yes, exactly, into the trapdoor, into the sewer. Uh, and then Abdullah goes into the meat locker. I guess his whole plan this entire time was to retrieve the mayor's body for reasons I don't really understand. I guess it's just so he wouldn't be caught. Uh, and so he goes in to get the mayor's body, but he finds that it's gone, and then the mayor shows up behind him. Now, right. remember, the mayor The mayor has been altered to have, <laughs> to have the fucking mixer on his hand. Um, it, it cuts away briefly to John and he's hooking some equipment into the mayor's car. Then it goes back to the fight in the meat locker. The mayor and Abdullah have a very slow lumbering fight, uh, which ends with the mayor's hand going into a fan that's running. Uh, and then he, uh, he just falls down dead. That's all we see. (laughs) Yeah. Then John comes out of his, the, the, the building in a spacesuit uh, and carrying a vacuum cleaner for some reason. <laughs> he gets into the car. He starts up some equipment. Flames shoot out of the tailpipe. And uh, in some very interesting model work, it blasts off into space. I thought it was actually pretty cool looking. I think it's really cool because all these outside shots of like the buildings is just one big model. Uh, and and even though they're not very realistic, they're realistic enough that it's a really cool effect when the car kind of takes off. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that because I didn't know. Like again, I I didn't realize that he was just going to put all the technology into a car. Yeah, right. I thought he was going to strap a rocket to a car. Well, I no. guess he figures that if you're going to build a rocket, why don't do it with some style? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, later uh, on, Nina is having some trouble sleeping, so her grandmother comes in to tell her a story about the old country. She tells her about the. I think in this case, instead of the golem, she's t- telling her about the bolum, which is made of meat and metal. Um, <laughs> and we get a POV shot of something stalking them, walking up the stairs. Uh, it ends up being Bob, a mutated version of Bob, though looking pretty much just regular like Bob. Uh, yeah. And he's grunting, and she can I, can holds I up. Tell, can I tell you, hold on, before you, before you reveal yeah, yeah. 
that this is probably my favorite joke in the entire movie. <laughs> it's very, this is a very it's silly joke. Well, so stupid, but it's so great. So she scares him off with meat tenderizer. Yeah. First she tries a cross, has no effect. So then she picks up some meat tenderizer and it, he freaks out and leaves. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> then we cut to the UFO where the aliens say this. The Earth is now in chaos. The balonium is ours. Ha ha ha. Make ready our descent. Yes, O leader. So you heard at the end of that. Yeah, clip, a little bit of a honk there. Yep. A little honk, and they're like wondering what the hell it is. It ends up being John outside uh, in in his car, and he runs into the spaceship, which then crashes on Earth into the butcher shop. <laughs> and and like the Wazinski's house, basically destroying the entire thing. And I, 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 God, I love the fact that like they like so he's honking at them, and they're like thinking the other one is sneezing, right? Because I guess car honks sound like robot <laughs> Alien sneezes. sneezes yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, but yeah, he smashes right into him. It's fucking great. So and then and then Bob's mutation wears off, and I think he's like in a tree or something. Like, like that. his mutation doesn't even make any sense. He was put into some toxic like sewage. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, it cuts to the next day. Like we see the the uh, daybreak, and Bob is just kind of hanging from a tree, like like slumped over it, and he wakes up. <laughs> uh, he he like holds his head like he has a headache instead of like being dead, um, and he looks up and he can see the car. Like, drive across the sunrise. And that leads him to say this. See, I told you. That Jan Wazinski, he's one smart kid. Oh, my, my. Look at the time. I better get back and open up the shop. You know that Abdullah? He'd just kill me if I kept him waiting. Well, see you around. And uh, before the movie proper ends, we also see Abdullah climb out of the remnants of the shop. He looks around, stares directly at the camera, and there's a freeze frame, and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> but it's not. But it's well, not it's the not end quite. of the movie. Yeah, because, like, so some credits start rolling, but Butcher Bob starts strutting off and doing his, like, dancing walking while the Butcher Bob song plays. It's fucking that's right. great. It's fucking great. So then we get, a little, bit, we get a little bit more credits. And then we get a nice shot of Jan flying through space. And then I believe that's the end of the movie proper. That's right. Yeah, there he is. Though the shot that they show of Bob is clearly from the beginning of the movie because he's holding the plans in his arms and stuff. Yeah, whatever. Hey, I don't care. I'm just saying. Um, and like you said, Mo, that leads right into our closing credits. Anything interesting about the closing credits, Mo? I didn't know either. Well, I did, and there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the only interesting thing is this uh, movie was made in White Rock, British Columbia. I don't know where that is, but uh, BC seems like a very nice place if you're ever up in Canada. I've never been there, but it uh, it seems like the kind of place that I'd like to be. It is a place I've actually wanted to visit. So That's because you love to blaze up. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well no, if you're going to no, blaze no, up, no. that's the place you want to blaze up. Yeah, I, I hear BC Kush is pretty good. That's That's what everyone says, Mo. <laughs> And that is 1982's Big Meat Eater. I would say a fairly painless experience. There's some really inspired, fun stuff in it. But I'll tell you, if you're not on its wavelength, this could probably be a pretty painful movie to watch. Some of the Wazinski stuff is a little dull, um, you know, because they're not nearly as interesting as... 
as uh, as Bob is. Right. You know, but but the Bob and Abdullah scenes are without a doubt, and and several of the musical numbers are just gold. Um, the the performances by George Dawson as Bob Sanderson, Andrew Gillies as uh, as Jan or John Wasinski, uh, and actually the guy who plays Yosef uh, or Yusuf, he he's good as well. Um, the worst performance is probably Abdullah, but it's also the most memorable performance. So right, right. <laughs> it all works. But I want you, Mo, to rank the songs in the movie. Um, basically, it's it's the Chemical song is right. number one, without a doubt. Then the uh, Mina, Mina's band song is number Ooh. two, and then basically everything else. Uh, no, no, the, I'll I'll give the Butcher Bob song three, and then basically everything else. What about the Big Meat Eater song? The Big Mediator song is great, but I don't think it's like like I'm talking just from songs that like something I would sit down and legitimately listen to. <laughs> like no joke, like no joke, movie or not, I would listen to that Chemical song cuz it's <laughs> fucking fantastic. And I would listen to Mina's band song cuz it was really good. Yeah. You know, it wasn't bad at all. Uh, as far as the big meat eater song or the Baghdad boogie song, you know, <laughs> like like they're 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 okay, but they all kind of like tie for fifth, you know. Yeah. Well, fair. What about the zombie song, which we're going to hear at the end of this episode? The zombie song is not bad. Not bad either. So I, you know, I think Big Meat Eater. Big Meat Eater. If what our description, uh, if our description sounded like something you might be interested in, you should definitely check it out. It's pretty widely available on DVD. It's like it's- on, honestly, I think if you're listening to this show and you're a regular listener, you should check this out because you'll enjoy it. I mean, if if you listen to our most recent episode of No Budget Nightmares on the Devil Ant, uh, and you saw that, and <laughs> yeah, just... ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like we're not talking about the same category of filmmaking here. Big Meat Eater is a real movie uh, with real production values uh, and really an aesthetic that it's going for and succeeds on. Um, so you know, if 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 you, like Mo said, if you're the kind of person who's listening to No Budget Nightmares, you should probably check out Big Meat Eater. I think that you'll get some enjoyment out of it, and maybe you might even love it. Yep. It's Canadian, Mo. I got to support my own. Yeah, I mean, Canadian or not, I, I, think, it's worth, <laughs> I think it's worth checking out. I mean, I'm not going to say check it out because it's Canadian. I'm going to say check it out because it's a lot of fun. Now, Mo, we should talk about what we're going to cover on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. Yes. Now, people who would listen to the beginning of this episode and didn't just fast forward to us fucking talking nonsense, <laughs> all that shit about your new job, um, they might think that our next episode is going to feature Dave Wascovich's, uh Tartarus um, from 2005, but I can't be entirely sure that his package <laughs> will arrive before the time. <laughs> My wife is giving me a look right now, believe me. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm giving the audio version of that look. <laughs> I can't be sure it's going to arrive before our next episode. So that one will probably be the episode after the next one, Mo. So what are we going to be watching on the next episode? Next episode, we are going to go back to the box set because for we sure. haven't been back there. Yeah, we haven't been back there for a while. Um and we are going to watch Terror at Baxter U. We are going to watch Terror at Baxter U, directed by Jeff Burton from the year 2003. Uh, Jeff Burton, also the, actually, been fairly prolific, uh, the director of Fred Perkins' Wild Michigan. I don't know what that is. The Final <laughs> Curtain from 2007. Dead End Road from 2004. 
and Invitation from 2003, which I think I actually have seen. But we are going to watch Terror at uh, Baxter U on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. And in fact, Mo, this is episode 96. That will be episode 97. Tartarus will probably be episode 98. And we're going to be rushing headlong into our 100th episode. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, Mo. Mo! Yeah. Where can people find out more about the No Budget Nightmares podcast? Well, the easiest way, go right onto Facebook. You can uh, do a search for No Budget Nightmares or go right to facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares, one word. And in fact, added on to that, Mo, we recently launched a Twitter account for No Budget Nightmares. I know you yeah, don't... Yeah, I keep, getting, I keep getting the notifications <laughs> in my email for that. I'm like, why are you telling me this? The reason is because we're, of course, connected to dorkshelf.com where you can find the latest episode of No Budget Nightmares. When they promote it, they wanted to have a Twitter account to connect it to, so we have at no budget podcast is also on Twitter, so why don't you sign up uh, to there as well? I usually put a lot of like the uh, my thoughts while I'm watching the movie, as well as like the animated gifs and things that I'm making. I like to do those as I'm watching as well. So uh, so why don't you support the show and 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 join up there? You can of course, if you really want to support the show, you can uh, join us on Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash No Budget Nightmares, or you can be linked over on our No Budget Podcast.com website, and uh, you can contribute as as little as one dollar per episode. Always helps. What we're doing. And yes, I know I always say it, but we're going to have some bonus content coming soon. Mo, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, well, if they wanted to, they could. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, at Drunk on VHS, all one word. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm rarely on there, but I'm there. Uh, I am still attempting to uh, keep that uh, my new uh, YouTube channel uh, not very good going uh i haven't done an episode in a week or two but uh or maybe like a little over a week but i do have a couple episodes up on there i do plan on doing more i just have to kind of like figure out when my best time to record is with my work schedule but i'll I'll get shit back up there regularly and sorry what's the is it just do a search for that name on youtube yeah just go on to youtube search not very good I can do that. Everyone should or, do that. Or on, and I, and I do have a page on Facebook. It's not a group. It's just a page. So if okay. you do a search, if you do a search for not very good on Facebook as one word, I do links to all the episodes on there as well. And I'll link it in the show notes as well for people to check out. You what? can, of course, find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Absolutely. You can find my other podcast, Eric Roberts is the fucking man at Eric Roberts is theman.com a few exciting things happening but with that in the near future including an interview with a a pretty well-known director hopefully uh in just our next episode but our most recent episode featured an episode of the tv show chuck you ever see the show chuck mo um i remember it being heavily mentioned in an episode of the office but uh (laughs) no i never actually watched it well it's uh i watched one episode of it one that has eric (laughs) roberts and dave bautista in it Whoa. I know. It's a star-studded affair, so why don't you check that out over at ericrobertsistheman.com. Mo, have you seen any uh, interesting movies lately? Um, Movies? No, not really. <laughs> How about some TV shows? Again, not really. What I, have you been, been doing lately? I guess I, it's just working, huh? Yeah, I've been working in a lot of like... I, I mean, I, well, you know what, what's been taking up a lot of my time is... Um, Yanking it. <laughs> yeah Surpri- surprisingly <laughs> no uh no no um not too long ago the uh the first uh pack of dlc came out for breath of the wild uh. and uh, and i've been playing a lot of that and i've gone through and i've 
gathered all of the uh the 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 armor and gear and stuff that that came out and that was fun and now i'm there's something called the trial of the sword which is basically just room after room of of enemies you can fight um and they get progressively harder and that's kind of what i'm doing right now well fair enough you can also by the way if you have steam fire pro world the wrestling game has just come out i just uh, purchased it it's just i think it's still in like the I don't know what they call it, where you... you it's Pre-alpha? Not, yeah, it's like the alpha, where you can... You're, they're adding features kind of on a weekly basis. But if you were a fan of the Fire Pro Wrestling series, which I know is a very nerdy thing for me to say, but it like I fucking lived and breathed those games for years and years and years. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really glad to see a return to it. I've, uh, I've been watching, Mo, over the last couple of days, some screeners for the uh, Fantasia Film Festival, which is taking place in Montreal as we record this. It's the, uh, the wonderful science fiction, fantasy, and horror... Uh, movie festival uh, and I uh, recently watched uh, Graham Skipper's uh, directorial uh, film Sequence Break which is about sort of a retro arcade tribute to Videodrome very interesting movie uh, we're definitely worth your time and I uh, just uh, yesterday watched The Final Master which is a martial arts movie from a couple of years ago uh, which uh, I didn't really enjoy that much though the martial arts it's all like it's all close combat knife fighting in it hmm. some of it is really really good but I'll tell you man it might, maybe it's just me but the story doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> you know. You know what? I'm a dumb shit. I have watched movies. Like, oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> I watched uh, War on Everyone. Oh, you know what? Uh, I really want to see it. How was it? It's super good. I really enjoyed it. Like honestly, I truly and honestly feel that Michael Pena should be in everything. Well, he, it's funny enough. He was in one of his very early roles was in a movie recently covered Eric Roberts is the fucking man <laughs> whose director I might be talking about too. Soon. Nice. Nice. But war on uh, everyone is directed by John Michael Mc, uh, McDonough who uh, made the movie Calvary a, a couple years ago. And that was one of my favorite movies of that year. So when huh. people didn't really love war on everyone, I was really bummed about it. Oh, that's a real shame. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, let's see. What else did I watch? I watched the life, which was mediocre as shit. Um, the movie with Eddie Murphy and uh... no no. <laughs> no 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 the Ryan Reynolds fucking space thing yeah not not great uh, I watched Power Rangers oh how was that I, I heard uh, it's better than expected it was way better than expected uh, I really enjoyed it I felt like it um, did justice to the show uh, without being super stupid was know? Ivan Ooze in it no. Oh, okay. No. They're saving him for a, a later movie. Uh, I watched The Belko Experiment, which I felt could have been better. Um, yeah, I know some people loved it. I mean, it's not bad. It's just, it's been done. It like The concept has been done too many times and right. better, you know? But biggest surprise, biggest surprise, I watched the Lego Batman movie. I, You know what? I watched that just a couple weeks ago, and I loved it. It's so fucking good. Like, I was like, I cannot believe how much I'm enjoying a Batman movie. And the fact that they touched on like real serious topics, sure, you know, and didn't do it and didn't play them out in like jokey sort of ways, you know, like the, the, the idea of like isolation and loneliness and, sure. and you know, and, and family. And, and, absolutely. And, and family. Yeah, exactly. And like, they did it in such a great way that I'm pro- like, no joke. I proclaim Lego Batman, the movie to be the best Batman film I've seen since the dark Knight. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing that a movie that cares so little about continuity is obviously made by people who are super fans of the franchise and the character. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's great. You know, it ends. uh, Just last week, there was a big story in Florida about someone who got kind of pulled 
out into sea uh, or into the ocean. Yeah, the I saw that. I saw and people that. made like a human chain in order to get them back. And that's sort of reminiscent of the end of the Batman Lego movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, let, and, and let me tell you something. As somebody who has felt the Florida riptide, mm-hmm. it's no fucking joke. Like... Like I like like sometimes I like to go out into the ocean and I'll just like lay on my back and float, you know. Right. And like for days like, at a time. No, 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 not for <laughs> days at a time. You know, it's fun. I, I'm I'm very buoyant, so I like to I like to float sometimes. Seagulls perching on you. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, well, no joke. Like you can sit down. Like you can get into that water, and like if you're floating on something, you'll be like 40, 50 feet away and not even realize it. Like right. within seconds, it's so rough. So wow. it was really cool. Like I, I, like it was. It made me very happy to see Florida in the news and not in a negative way. Fair enough. Because it's uh, always in a negative way. <laughs> I find it very interesting, Mo, that you thought that you had not watched anything, and then you named three movies in a fucking row. Uh, I had to go into my movies my movies folder to look at what I had on here because I didn't remember what was in here. I also uh, watched, by the way, Mo, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey for the first time in a couple of years, and that movie's great. And everyone It should, really uh, is. Like, I, I think it, it gets really a lot of great. shit. I think it gets a lot of shit because it's so goofy. But, I mean, William Sadler alone makes it worth it. Some of the special effects are crazy. Like, the vision of hell in that movie might be the craziest, scariest vision of hell that's yeah. ever been put into a film. Yeah, I know that's, that is like a high statement, but seriously, there's some really intense visual work there. Yeah. I mean, it's a really great movie. I don't. I like the first one better, but the second one lives up to it. It's it's at it's at least almost as good. Yeah, and it actually makes a good double feature with Alex Winter's uh, Freaked, which is another <sighs> movie that I absolutely adore. I love Freaked. I love Freaked. <laughs> if you want to see people who had uh, a budget for special effects and were not afraid to use them. <laughs> <laughs> but with that said, Mo, I think it's time to say good night. Yeah, uh, to to the No Budget Nightmares crew. We're gonna be back in a couple of weeks with uh, what was that fucking movie called again? <laughs> Terror uh, at Baxter U. Baxter U. Terror at Baxter U. Currently sitting at a healthy three point two out of ten on the Internet Movie Database. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that's uh, a little high. Well, we'll see how it how it is. We will. We'll check it out. We'll explain it in detail in just a couple of weeks. Until then, let's say good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. What must I do before?